Welcome to the Two Cities Podcast. I'm John Anthony Dunn, and today we're going to talk about preaching in the local church. And joining me today, we have Brandon Hurlbert, who's a PhD candidate at Durham University in England. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, thanks, John, for having me. Brandon, you are uh, currently a, a PhD student. You're working on your thesis. You're reading a lot of academic books and articles and, you know, diving into Semitic languages and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but you also are regularly preaching in your local church context. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and what that balance is like, especially? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, in addition to my studies, I also uh, work part-time uh, at a church here in Durham, uh, and I do media and communications. Um, and occasionally, uh, they'll uh, let me preach uh, to uh, either everyone's joy or detriment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's really fun. I, I've been uh, been at the church for uh, since we got here two and a half or so years ago, and um, hmm. I've been preaching for I think a year and a half or so. Um, kind of lost track yet but uh yeah it's it's really fun it's not it's not um you know it's probably about once a month or once every three weeks or so hmm. um and it's been fun to i mean most of my my research is in old testament mm-hmm. um and at the moment we're going through the book of exodus so that's really that's really fun it's like oh i i know something about this yeah um but so far before this this sermon series through Exodus, most of my preaching uh, at this church and at other churches has always been either in the New Testament or it's been in like spiritual formation, hmm. uh, which I always thought was really funny because I do Old Testament. Right. That's great. That's awesome. Well, how about um, tell us a little bit about preparation for you. So as somebody who is academically inclined, you know, scholarly um, in orientation, uh, what does preparation look like for you when you're thinking about how to preach to God's people? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. It probably changes every time I preach because I'm always constantly trying to learn what is the best way to prep. I think the constant either that should be there or is there uh, is, you know, lots of prayer. Uh, mm. I think that's the thing that we take for granted. We go, oh yeah, of course, we should probably pray about this. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just praying a lot and waiting and, and trying to listen to see you know, what God wants to say. And I think depending on the passage, uh, you know, especially if you're familiar with the passage beforehand or not, I think it will, I think you kind of know what you're going to say generally. Like you don't have all the words, you don't have, but you know that the general main message of a text is if you're familiar with it or, you know, sometimes there's going to be obviously really difficult texts that you have to preach and you're going to go, I have no idea what that means. And then uh-huh. you probably should do lots of study right. and you look at all the commentaries you can get your hands on. But I think generally if it's a text that you are familiar with or what, what have you, you kind of know the general content of your sermon you know the message you know the like take-home point you want people to have sure and part of prep is is building kind of around that message that you you either you know it's pretty straightforward from the text but also it's the thing that god is wanting to say to his people um Mm. through you yeah what about the actual process of preaching then so you've done some preparation does that preparation include for example creating a manuscript for you um you know what 
like formally uh, is um, the process of preaching like for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, so I've I've I do manuscripts because okay. I at at the at the moment the sermons at our church are is about twenty minutes, hmm. um, and I grew up in a context where preaching was like forty five minutes to an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and so same that's that calvary chapel background yeah right? <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and at the church we were, i was at before um moving here we had about 45 minutes and then i think we docked it down to about 30 mm. which i think is a good i think 30 is like prime mm -hmm. but 20 feels like it to me is not enough time yeah. to say yeah all that i want to say uh, yeah i would feel that too yeah so i do a manuscript so that I can, I know exactly mm -hmm. how much time I will speak for. Yeah. And then obviously you, you give room for the spirit to, you know, kind of ad lib and say other things that you need, mm -hmm. that you think need a bit more flushing out. But I, I think early in my, you know, earlier times when I've preached, I did, so I've done, I've done the, the manuscript. I've done the, the long kind of, you know, very detailed notes. Mm -hmm. um, and I found that didn't work out well because i would then just kind of read my notes but it would be like an incomplete manuscript right, right. and it was just really stressful mm -hmm. and then i did following that i did i think my worst my worst preaching experience was i i did um like the three bullet point kind uh -huh. of um you know you just have the three points these are the three points you're gonna do uh -huh. and that's all you have on your sheet and oh it was awful <laughs> because, why, why, why was it so awful? Because <laughs> it it was just me reading those same three bullet, bullet points, points over and over, over and over and over. Oh, again. that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Oh, because and yeah, it just I was like, I don't know how to transition between these points. And uh -huh. then I think halfway through, I just was like, uh, uh, okay, let's just like open the Bibles and read this out, you know, like, and it just ended up walking through the text. But it was just, uh, I was, I felt in the moment, I felt this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds awful. Uh, God is faithful. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So I have kind of two questions related to uh, you as somebody who's uh, pursuing a, a PhD. So the, the first part of that that I'm curious to hear more about is how you would say um, that helps the process of preparation or, or does it hinder the process of preparation? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I think generally it helps. Generally it helps. Uh, it, doing a PhD gives you kind of lots of tools rather than knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, it gives you lots of tools to be able to read and analyze a text. Um, being in a place uh, like Durham, you know, you have a lot of resources. Um, mm -hmm. You have other people who are doing biblical studies and theology that you can chat to. So like there's a lot of resources and tools that doing a PhD and, and living in a place like Durham can really help. Um, I think very practically, I think I work a lot more with the, the languages than I think typical. So I, mm -hmm. if, if it's in, if it's in the new Testament, I'm, I'm hopeless, unfortunately, but <laughs> if, it's in, if it's in the old Testament, then uh, I can actually spend some of my, cause you generally I'll probably be a little bit familiar with it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually just able to spend um, a good portion of my study time sitting in the Hebrew and sitting in the text itself. Mm -hmm. um, 
getting familiar with it and reading it. And usually, I think before uh, before I you know I'd preach other times earlier in my life, I wouldn't know which commentaries to read, mm. so I would just try to read all of them. I still try to read all all of them, mm-hmm. um, but at least know which ones are important to spend more time on because you become familiar with these these works. And so mm. I think that's been helpful. Mm-hmm. Where, where it where it hinders, I would say, is one is you know when you're doing your study, you end up either going down rabbit trails or you'll find something that connects to your thesis, and you go, "Oh, this is so crazy!" And then you start thinking about everything else, uh, everything other than your sermon. the The second thing I would say is we all bring our own questions to the text that we're interested in, and so at one of the questions uh, that I have, you know, is about violence and is about how does mm-hmm. you know Christians read the Old Testament, you know, in light of the teachings and work and person of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes my question isn't your question. I think sometimes in sermons, it might be unhelpful for me to be like, oh, let's talk about this thing, you know, and this thing mm. that I'm, you know, personally very interested yeah, in. Yeah, right. And it's like, but like 75% of people have never thought about that issue. Right, so like, right. they're just thinking about how to be a normal human in their workplace. How can mm-hmm. they love and serve Jesus in their in their nine to five job and like mm-hmm. me going in about like source and redaction criticism in this book of the old <laughs> Testament is not going to edify them and is not going to get them closer to becoming more like Jesus at right, all right. in any capacity. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. On the other side of, of being a PhD student and somebody who's diving into texts deeply uh, and thinking about how PhDs help or hinder uh, preaching. I'm also curious because, you know, with, with our rigorous studies in, in our PhD programs, um, we're also preparing to be teachers one day, right? We're preparing mm-hmm. to be in the classroom. And so I'm wondering if you can uh, share a little bit about what you see as the difference between teaching and preaching. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think they're probably more similar than otherwise. I think they're probably a bit, you know, two sides of the same coin than different ball game. I'm mixing my metaphors here, but <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, but Go for yeah, it. I think I think they're really similar. Is that your aim is to communicate something true? Within teaching, obviously, there's it, it could be a, I think a, a lot more interactive. You, you know, you can mm-hmm. do break you know small breakout groups. You have mm-hmm. seminar. You can you know they're going to write you a paper at the end of it. At the sermon, it'd be really at the end of a sermon, it'd be really <laughs> weird if they had a test or they right, had right. a paper because ultimately, the paper, the test, you know what it is, is Monday through Saturday mm-hmm. in their lives mm-hmm. and. You know, you are no longer. That's a good you know, way to put it. I like that. Yeah, you know, when you're preaching, you aren't the teacher. Mm-hmm. You are simply the voice, the right. vessel through mm-hmm. which the Holy Spirit and God is communicating through you. Yeah. Um, so you, you don't act. You're not giving the test. You're not setting the questions. You're not. You know, you are just trying to be faithful to what God has. You know, wants to communicate through you to mm-hmm. these people in this particular time and place. With teaching, you know, on paper, you are you are the professor, you know, you are setting the questions, the exams, the papers, uh, you have a bit more hands on approach and, and God, uh, you know, that's a calling as well. And I think, you know, you can honor, you know, obviously, you can honor God in that in your vocation in that way. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, the aims are a bit different. The way you view yourself 
I think is a bit different, you know. And I, and I think in terms of content, you can spend a little bit more time on a book or a, a verse. You can you can dig, you know, you can go really in depth in a topic. But also, I think like preaching is that you know that you are just trying to give them tools rather than knowledge, hmm. right? Like you're not you're not setting out to give like the definitive interpretation of a text within. Mm-hmm. For me, 20 minutes, which is impossible, right? Right, <laughs> you know? right. I can, you can't even do that for like a single verse, mm-hmm. you know? And as a, you know, a, a professor, you're also trying to give them tools to help them continue to learn after they've graduated uh, right. or, or right. finished your class. Mm-hmm. And so you're never going to give them the definitive answer on really pretty much anything. Um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe how to pass your class, but... Um, <laughs> So in in the in the same way of like of of preaching and teaching is that it's more about tools to assist them with life. Yeah, no, that's really good. And I think um, you know you mentioned aims and content and some some formal uh, issues as it relates to the difference um, or overlap between teaching and preaching. I also think context is is important too, right? So. Mm. Preaching occurs uh, usually within the context of a worship service. Something uh, Carl Barth said, um, somebody wanted to um, get a copy or a recording or something of Carl Barth's sermon. Uh-huh. And he, he didn't uh, want to, to do that to whomever, you know, he didn't want to provide that to whomever asked um, because he said the whole worship service should be recorded in that case, not just my sermon. I really liked that idea because it's very uh, common, right, nowadays to provide, you know, podcasts of sermons. You know, many churches do this mm-hmm. to provide, yeah, re- yeah to provide uh, recordings of sermons to make those available readily. I mean, I've, I've listened to countless sermons by all kinds yeah. of different pastors, you know, um, but I'd never listened to the entire worship service before and, you know, the, the context in which that sermon was preached. I really like that idea. And I just wonder what you think about it, um, the idea that uh, sermons, as, as would be implied by, by this idea, sermons cannot be abstracted from the worship context in which they are delivered. What do you think about that kind yeah, of idea? I definitely agree. I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to listen to a podcast that was an entire worship service, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, I really, I really agree with that sentiment because when you are preaching, you aren't, you aren't communicating for everyone at all times and all places. You are, you are preaching to your church, your mm-hmm. local church, and anyone listening in. You know, at our church, we record our our sermons, and I have to edit them and put them up online. And yeah, the, it's one. You know, I'm usually there for the services, so I, I know the context of it. But even just when I listen to it to kind of edit it and upload it, like those are different experiences I have of the same content. And I, I think it churches should be good at communicating that that hearing a sermon and participating in a local church are very different. Right. You, know, you can listen That's online. Right. Yeah. You know, like so you can listen to a sermon, but that doesn't mean necessarily that you're going and participating in the life of that church. I think there are some, you know, exceptions, you know, if you're ill or, you know, things like that, or 
I, I think those those are those are fine um, exemptions. But I think mm-hmm. generally it's best to experience uh, a sermon in the context of a whole worship service, you know, because the liturgy really will, Im- you know, kind of bookends the service, bookends your sermon. Though, you know, usually when I preach, you know, I meet with the person who's leading the service and we kind of kind of construct a service. Right. We construct yeah. the liturgy and we go, okay, well, should we have confession and absolution before the sermon mm. or after? You know, because typically it's before, but, you know, sometimes you're preaching something like, I think God want, you know, I think that this is going to be really meaningful and that mm. it's going to be better to confess our sins after we've heard what God has mm. to say here or, you know, what have you. And, and uh, you know, the worship leader will also be contacting me as well and saying like, okay, what what songs will really fit well with the, the service? And I think it works out really well when all of the service leaders are talking, you know, with each other. And then you end up experiencing an entire service that's that's meant to really engage you in very mm-hmm. different ways through right. Uh, through worship and music, but also, you know, your your emotions, but also your mind as well. And then, you know, your response as you are are saying and repeating the liturgy um, and the and the calls or responding to the calls. I think all of that you miss if you just listen to the sermon. Mm-hmm. But I would say that in, you know, if it's much easier to get someone to listen to a 20 minute talk than it yeah. is, hey, could you listen to this experience that you can only partially engage with you know right 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 so i think we can see sermon podcasts as having as having different purposes sure sure well that that idea of not abstracting sermons from their church context which i really do like it also um provides a reminder i think perhaps about what sermons should be, you know, like you mentioned about the particularities, the specificities, right? The direct connections to the local church, right? To those who are part of that worship service. I think it's a great reminder that that's what the sermons should be, right? That they um, do have a um, particularity to it that we can't uh, generalize into every other context. I think I think it's at least a reminder that our sermons should strive towards that. And it and it brings up a question. And I think this might be a good place for us to end with a kind of final thought about this. About how do we preach in a way that we're uh, preaching to our local congregation and not preaching at them? I think this is a good uh, maybe segue uh, from that whole discussion about that particularity and the specificity um yeah how do we preach to people and not at them yeah that that is uh that is a great question uh i i don't have an answer it (laughs) because i i struggle with it in my own preaching um and when i when i see other people preach there is always this there the it it's never something i can point to specifically but Mm. in sometimes in other people's preaching it just feels like I'm watching them practice it in front of a mirror gotcha. or I, I'm, I, I hear what they're saying and everything they're saying, I go, yes and amen. But the way that the, it's being delivered and communicated, it, it feels like I'm watching a Ted talk. Hmm. Um, and I don't mean that in a, like a negative, like in a negative way, like they're performative, they're performing and you know, they're being prideful. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I think it's just that idea of talking to someone and feeling hmm. like, me as a a member of the audience that you are speaking to me in a right. really personal way that right. you know what's going on in my life and 
that has impacted the way that you have, that is, that, that has influenced the way you have prepared for this sermon, mm-hmm. that you know what's going on in the hearts and lives of, um, of your church. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of feeding into the way you've prepared your sermon. You know, some of this might be related to what we were just talking about, the idea that, um, uh, we want to preach with specificity and particularity, right? So the more kind of universal it is, the may the more sort of at you the preaching might feel, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe one, uh, I guess, bit of practical advice outside of the formal and stylistic ways that some people can just kind of aesthetically preach in that way. I think one of the bits of advice, perhaps, as we think about this and reflect on it, is trying to provide some anchors that really do uh, land in our audience, right? Ways in which we are sort of uh, planting our flag that like, this is a sermon uh, for the people in the room. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, And I think, I think one way to, to, to do that maybe helpfully would be, I think vulnerability in Mm. the Mm. pulpit, I think is actually really helpful. Um, Not so that you are only talking about yourself (laughs) when you're in your sermon. That's bad. Mm. Don't do that. Uh, or making yourself out to be the good guy or the savior in every situation. Yeah, yeah. Also bad. Jesus is our savior. Let's right. remember that. Um, right. But I think being vulnerable to say like, hey, I had this like really, you know, terrible time or I was, you know, you know, doing X, Y, Z, right? And then this person, you know, Jimmy, in our, you know, in our congregation, he helped me out. He helped me with mm, right. my small group. You know, we had this good, you know, and, and you're you're then now drawing members of the congregation who are likely to be in your audience, right. you are drawing them into the action of your sermon. Right. That they are no longer only part of the audience, but now they're actually kind of actors and characters in mm. your sermon. Mm. And I think that might be a helpful way to kind of make it less about, you know, the word coming down to, you know, from on high in the pulpit, <laughs> mm-hmm. but kind of being a community, a community event. Yeah, a more, a more, a more imminent uh, and incarnational approach to preaching. Yes. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, Brandon, this has been a wonderful discussion. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us and talking about uh, juggling a PhD life uh, alongside a active uh, preaching ministry. Yes, yes. My pleasure. like more engagement of theology, culture, and discipleship from the two cities, you can find us on Facebook or visit us at our website at thetwocities.com.